0: Exhaust, chemicals, plastics, part of our everyday lives. These are byproducts we don't think much about. We have to drive, use chemicals to clean with, keep a water bottle with us in case we get thirsty, and on and on. Unfortunately, however, these emissions and more make their way through air and water and into the environment silently and systematically polluting and ultimately destroying habitats including our own you have heard the expression it's a great big world and though our world may be big sadly it just isn't big enough to absorb the chemicals and waste that we continually produce don't misunderstand Our country and many others have made some great strides in the reduction of man-made air and water contaminants. As early as the 1960s, many large companies were beginning to implement changes regarding pollution. And corporations pledging to go green continue to this day. Still, sewage treatment facilities and industrial plants exist and their resulting toxins are still released into the environment at alarming rates. Because of this, these pollutants continue to wreak havoc on human health, wildlife, and the ecosystem. Pollution is critically impacting wildlife at an appalling rate. Its negative impact is affecting birds, otters, and minks, dolphin, fish, and tragically, the mighty polar bear. This time, we're going to discuss what is happening to our ecosystems and educate ourselves about what we can do to help preserve the world we all live in for generations to come. I'm Anna Vanover, and this is Rise for Wildlife. When we talk about wildlife rescue, it is most often in terms of issues such as orphaned baby animals, injuries associated with cars, or the destruction of an animal's habitat. What we probably don't think of much is the effect of pollution on the wildlife population, However, this is a real problem. Many people have become desensitized to this, perhaps because it is not always easy to see with the naked eye. As silent and invisible though it may be, it is nonetheless a very real threat, one that not only causes harm to wildlife, but to ourselves as well. It's difficult to determine exactly what keeps society from being more proactive about what is thrown into landfills, spilled into the oceans, and spewed into the air. Convenience? Selfishness? Greed? Is there something you would add to the list? In 2019, aquatic and ecosystem health researchers from San Francisco and Los Angeles, California, published their findings from a three-year study collecting data on the sources and pathways of microplastic pollution that was found in the San Francisco Bay. These are very, very tiny plastic particles that are too small to be considered trash. Of course, these particles are supposed to be disposed of properly by waste management systems, but something has gone awry. Here's what the researchers did. First, they collected samples at different sites across the Bay Area. These samples were from wastewater that had been treated, stormwater, surface water and sediment, a powdery, solid material that settles at the bottom of a liquid. They did this to discover what the particles were made of and to determine just how they were getting into the Bay. The findings were alarming. The San Francisco Bay has some of the highest recorded levels of microplastic pollution in the world. The researchers believe that the denseness of the urban population in the Bay Area plays a large role, as does the very narrow outlet from the Bay to the Pacific Ocean. Plastic bags and plastic bottles are pummeled by the waves and scorched by the blazing sun. This causes tiny shavings of microplastic to be caught in the whispering breeze of the cool ocean air. That ultimately takes those small flecks on a journey that ends in the waters of the bay, where the marine life consumes this deadly material. In fact, the researchers' findings indicate that these microparticles could go far beyond the San Francisco Bay Area. Diana Lynn from the San Francisco Estuary Institute said that the results from the field study should be useful for evaluating other regions and the recommendations apply on a broad scope. These researchers say that it is crucial that the public be made aware of the very real dangers of microplastics. The greater the knowledge of this contaminant could lead to more recycling and the eventual decreased use of plastics altogether. This would significantly diminish pollution, leading to healthier air and water quality for all life on Earth. We'll be right back. We here at Rise for Wildlife encourage you to join with us by getting the word out. Share this podcast with others by linking it to your social media. The more listeners we reach, the more we can help rehabilitators through information, support, and education. So get on board and get the word out about Rise for Wildlife. In April of this year, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres said, Without nature's help, we cannot thrive or even survive on this planet Earth. A recent UN report found that around 1 million animal and plant species are now threatened with extinction. And biodiversity, or the enormous variety of life on Earth, is deteriorating faster than at any other time in human history. Bioaccumulation is a major contributor to the threat of wildlife. Just what does this mean? Well, toxins have become increasingly prevalent in today's industrial world. Sadly, they are rapidly finding their way into wildlife habitats. In every ecosystem, organisms are intricately interconnected through food chains and what are known as food webs, which consist of all the food chains in a single ecosystem. When toxins find their way into an organism they can build up and linger, a phenomenon called bioaccumulation. These toxins can spread to an entire ecosystem. How does this happen, you might ask? In many ways. They can be ingested, absorbed through skin, or inhaled. When herbivores eat contaminated plants, the toxins accumulate in their fatty tissues. If a carnivore eats several toxin-laden herbivores, the toxins become even more concentrated in its body. This process continues and continues right up the food chain. To answer the question you may be asking right now, we humans are not exempt. Toxic concentrations increase nearly 10 times at each food chain level, becoming the most harmful to the top predators, people. Here's why this information is so important. Because bioaccumulators are stored in fat, they are released into the bloodstream. When an animal uses body fat for energy, including humans, the bioaccumulators harm vital organs and systems. Not only that, they are also released from breast tissue in milk production and consumed by nursing offspring. This can lead to the loss or extinction of many species. Bioaccumulators include PCBs that were banned in 1979. These include such items as oil-based paint, plastics, and motor oil, PAHs like coal, crude oil, or gasoline, heavy metals including products such as lipstick, nail polish, and whitening toothpaste, certain pesticides, and cyanide are all bioaccumulators. The point of this story isn't to scare you with troubling information. In fact, everything we have shared with you can be reversed. That is, if we do our part and encourage others to do the same. Now you should be asking, what can I do? To make a difference in protecting wildlife from the toxic threat, we must be cognizant of the things that we should avoid in our everyday lives as much as possible. Here are a few ideas. Try to avoid dry cleaning if you can. The chemicals used are, of course, toxic. Steer clear of air fresheners. Instead, open the windows and let the fresh air in. If you just can't open your windows, use natural odor removers like baking soda or a natural potpourri. You could bake a pie. The benefit of that is, well, you get to eat it, of course. Try to avoid using permanent hair dye or perfumes with fragrances that are made synthetically. Use organic products whenever possible. Consider a water filter to remove the levels of chemical contaminants that are in the drinking water. Use paints that are water-based and have a low VOC or volatile organic content rating. If you have a garden, try gardening organically without the use of pesticides. There are many tips available on the internet for this. Adjusting small behaviors leads to big changes. Although the things we've suggested don't seem like much, corporately they can make a significant difference. The decline of biodiversity does not have to be inevitable. In fact, the United Nations is working on a framework that sets out an ambitious plan to implement broad-based action to bring about a transformation to ensure that by 2050, the shared vision of living in harmony with nature is fulfilled. What an exciting thought to know that we have done our part in fulfilling that goal, and that we're helping to keep the wildlife around us safe and secure for future generations to appreciate and enjoy. I'm Anna Vanover. And this is Rise for Wildlife. Rise for Wildlife and the licensed rehabilitators who we support would like to thank you for your gift of any size. Your tax-deductible contribution helps us to help rescuers through information, support, and education. You can make your donation on PayPal by going to paypal.me backslash rise for wildlife INC. That's all one word, lowercase, no spaces. Paypal.me backslash rise for wildlife INC. Rise for Wildlife Incorporated is a 501c3 nonprofit organization.